I mean, the best way that we can love these kids is to love their family too. And so we, we tried to do that as best as we could. And it helped us just to keep that and remember that the goal here is much bigger than just us loving these kids. It's about the gospel. Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Jennifer Thomas, TBHC's marketing director. We are excited you are joining us today to hear stories of foster care and adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Curry, president of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. I wanna introduce my guests to you today. They both grew up in Texas, Paul from Lufkin, Dina from Tom Ball. They currently call Lufkin home where Paul is a high school teacher and a pastor of youth at First Baptist Church Kelties. Dina is fulfilling a great responsibility, but also one of the greatest privileges of being a stay-at-home mom. They've had seven foster children in their home since 2016, and they are not newbies by any means, but this space to them is still somewhat new. They're doing a great job. They're excited to share their story for the first time. Man, I feel like I'm getting exclusive today. They want to encourage other families who are interested in this journey and help people know it's both the hardest and the best thing they have ever done. Thank you both for joining me today. Tell us your bringing kids home story. Well, Jason, thank you for having us on uh, today. We're uh, excited to be able to share with everybody our journey and what it is that we've done and our process of working our way through fostering kids and uh, getting to adopt two of them along the way. Yes, thank you. We're excited to be here. Thank you guys very much. I, I guess I just want to kind of kick it off with how did you two meet? Um, I was working, I went to SFA and he went to SFA. He was working for um, an organization at the time and um, I was working at the rock wall at SFA and I taught his rock climbing class and he came and climbed and I taught his class and that's how we met. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> So went, went and climbed once and then just kept going and going and going. So Yeah. I like that. That's, so she's been your instructor ever since. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that's about really that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, that that's really cool. How did you guys become aware? What informed pretty much the decision to follow God's heart and start fostering or adoption? What was that journey? What was kind of the prompt for that? Well, it, it was something, honestly, early on in our marriage, we had, we had talked about the fact that irregardless of whether or not we were able to have, biologically have our own children, we were interested in adoption. Uh, at that time, it was primarily we had been talking about international adoption and what that might look like and if that would be a possibility. And, uh, but at that point, it was, you know, hey, this is still a couple years down the road and um, you know, early on in our marriage, we had received a lot of advice from people, hey, wait a couple of years before you have kids. And, um, and, and so, you know, we, we were trying to heed a little bit of that, but then also trying to sort out just some things professionally uh, and figure out where we were going to land and what our lives were, were going to be like. So uh, through all of that, just we never were able to have our own kids. And so as that process wasn't 
coming into fruition uh, like we had thought that it might have, uh, the Lord just brought these conversations about adoption more and more into the forefront. And in, in having those conversations, we both just kind of came to the conclusion of, hey, this is something we really need to investigate. Um, irregardless of right now whether or not we end up pregnant, we want to investigate this and see what this process would look like um, financially, how we could handle it, or, and so on and so forth. And so we did a little bit of research on the international, but the more that we read on that, uh, I think the more the Lord was leaning us towards fostering. Um, and, and it was scary uh, because both of us kind of had just those cliches that you hear a lot of people say of, I could, I could never do that. I couldn't have a kid in my home and, and love on them and then send them on their way. I, I just, I couldn't do that. And so those thoughts were going through our minds, and, but we kept coming back, back and back and back to fostering. Um, and so after fighting it for some time, uh, we decided to go to an informational meeting. We went to one just directly through CPS and then one uh, at Buckner International. And so through, we uh, liked the organization of Buckner, liked the people that were working there uh, and just the representation and the support that we would have by going through them versus going directly through CPS. And so as soon as we went to the meeting with them, it was kind of a, a done deal in our books of just the Lord had given each of us a piece as we walked away from that and we, we kind of got in the car and I remember looking at each other and saying, we're doing this. Uh, and I mean, we, we decided we'd sleep on it at night and make sure, but the next morning I think we woke up even more sure of, uh, of the process. And so uh, from that point, we jumped in with Buckner and took care of our, you know, mile high stack of paperwork um, and getting started with that process. It took us a little bit of time to get through it all. We had uh, some hiccups along the way that kind of delayed our paperwork process. But um, then once we kind of got rolling with it and got into it, we, again, we knew that this is where the Lord was bringing us. And uh, as soon as, again, I, maybe I'm repeating myself here, but, uh, and you can add anything if you want, Dina, but it really just boiled down to the fact that we knew that there was a peace in our hearts and in our minds and just in our lives in general about it. It didn't matter what any naysayers in our lives may have said, uh, those that were unsure of the decision for us. And we're saying, well, if it's kids that you want, why don't you just go and get, um, get tested so that you can have your own and, and you know there are, there are other ways that you can have your own children and, and through all of that we still just kind of kept coming back to well this isn't necessarily about having children that were born to us this is about answering a call that the Lord has placed upon us and and caring for these kids who are in a time of need by no fault of their own and and helping to love on them as the families are getting themselves right and showing them the love of Christ that's been shown to us. And should we get to adopt any kids through this, we're going to rejoice in that. We're going to celebrate in that just as we've been adopted by the Lord. Um, but through this whole process, it was just that peace of knowing we're trusting in him and our hope is in the Lord, no matter what the outcome of any of this is. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really I mean, I agree to all that. Um, the other thing I would add, this is kind of a side, I guess, side story to all of that is um, when we first got start, before we first got started, um, I remember there was a Sunday, I, I couldn't go to church. I don't remember the reasoning why, 
um, I was sick or something. And I remember Paul came home and he was really tired after church. And so he was going to lay down and take a nap. And, um, and he looked at me and he said, I think we should foster to adopt. And then he fell asleep. And it was like, he just dropped this bombshell. And I was like, what did you say? Like, <laughs> like, you said that and then you just fall asleep on me. You can't do that. <laughs> um, but anyways, it was, it was definitely a shock at first, but I mean, like you said, the more we just thought about it and prayed about it, it's just something we had to do. Like, it just, I don't know. We just had to do it. And I still think yeah. we have to do it. So well, praise God for that. That's really great walking through that process of foster care, is there anything you could compare the process of foster care to, to kind of help people if they're wanting to explore that? What is it closest to? Um, as far as just the initial getting involved in it, um, I would say the, the closest thing to it is if you've ever bought a house uh, and you, you go and you sit down and it takes you a while and you've got paper after paper after paper that you got to sign, that essentially that's what it feels like is, um, and, and I know organizations told us that they previously did this, they would give the paperwork in portions so as not to overwhelm anybody that was initially getting involved in it. Uh, but we were getting ready for summer break and they were getting ready for some things they had going on. So they're like, here, we're just gonna give it all to you at once. And, and it was, it was a giant stack of papers that just sat on our kitchen table for probably about two months uh, of us. And we'd look at it and we go, we really need to do that. And, uh, and so if you look, if you look at it all like that, it can seem a little daunting, but, uh, really, I mean, if you just take it in little chunks and that's what we ended up doing after, after looking at that stack of paperwork for, I don't know, two weeks or so, we're like, okay, you know, let's sit down. We're going to knock out five sheets tonight. All right. Okay. We got more time tomorrow. All right. We're going to knock out 15 sheets tonight. And just taking it little by little. And, and we were able to, to get through it. And there were nights we weren't able to work on it. We had things going on and just I mean, life happens. And, and so through that, we were able to finally make it through, but it took a while. And then once you get through the paperwork, then the home studies and things, they, classes. and oh, the class, yeah, we had classes and we had to take, and those took up, I don't know, a couple Saturdays for a couple months. Um, I think like six Saturdays in total, something like that. Um, and, and so we were able to get those taken, taken care of and some of that stuff, especially being in the education system was a little bit repetitive, some of the thing, trainings that I've done, but, uh, it was still good and refreshing to hear it kind of in a different bit of a format. Um, and, but then once you get through all that, the home study process can seem a little daunting, uh, as well. Uh, I know we weren't sure what to expect. We had been told, Hey, they're going to ask you. Um, all kinds of questions are going to get up in every bit of your business. And so there was a little bit of just nervousness. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm a fairly private person. I don't always just volunteer information out to people and things like that. And, and so I was like, okay, well, what am I about to have to share with all these people about our lives and our private lives and our marriage and, and growing up and what's this going to look like? And, and really it wasn't that uh, they came in and it was just, it was a good, the, the, caseworker that came in and did the interviews she was excellent at her job um, and handled it with care and it was sensitive and, and really just walked us through the process and didn't make us feel intimidated at all in that. yeah I thought it was good I mean one thing I would say is um I mean just like anything that you have a goal as long if 
you have a goal, you're going to be committed to it. And so as long as you feel committed to it and it's something you want to do, you're going to want to get it done. And so, I mean, just as like, if you want to lose weight, there's certain things you're going to do and you're going to put your efforts and you're going to start eating right. And you're going to grocery shop, right. And you're going to start working out. Right. I mean, you're going to put those efforts in. It's the same kind of thing with this. So if you want to do it, if it's something you want to do, you're going to make the steps happen to get it done. You just have to have the desire behind it, I guess. Most definitely. I mean, that was our experience as well. Let's see. Let's talk about your first placement, maybe specifically the first night. I don't know if uh, sometimes people have a first night uh, that was wow for them or it was like day three. So however that goes for you guys. Okay. So let me, let me start on this one. So we, um, we our our home was essentially we were licensed and um, ready to open up, but we left for vacation like the very next day. And so we told the, we told Buckner, we said, don't place that or don't, don't even call us until we get back from vacation. So anyways, we got back from vacation Sunday night. Monday morning at 8 a.m., our home officially opened up for fostering. 5 p.m. that night, we got a call and- um, We were open for one child. We were open for one child, yeah. I, we, we got a call, I was pulling into the gym parking lot and my phone rings and it's the agency. And I pick up the phone and they go, so we have, um, twin girls and I said I don't know let me drive home and talk to Paul and so I was like five minutes from the house I raced home and I walked in I was like Paul we have a call for twin girls and he just goes twins and like his <laughs> face turned white like I mean episode of friends is what you always refer to yeah yeah well I mean it's it, it was just like I was just in awe just we we asked for one, we, we, you know, not, not two, what, what's, what's going on here. And, and she's standing there looking at me going, but, but they need us. The, these kids need us. And I, and I, I was just, uh, uh, we're only prepared for one. We only have one crib. We like, what, what are we going to do? But Paul, they need us. And so, um, and, and then she she gave me just this look and was like, I can't say no. Okay, yeah, all right, let's do it. And and for for about the next four hours, I was the most terrified I have ever been in my life. Um, I I mean I've you know, faced all kinds of things and and handled other stuff, and I'm not one that gets nervous or anxious about things really. But like I just. I felt like I was outside of myself just watching my body go through motions for the next four hours. But it was incredible. We, we put out an all call uh, on social media to uh, yeah. friends and family yeah. and just said, hey, we got a call. We've got two coming in. We're only prepared for one. Uh, here are some things that we need. And we had a, an overwhelming response. We had, and these, these girls were 21 months uh, and we had, we were preparing more so for a, a six months or less. Um, and so whenever they're like 21 months, I told Dean, I was like, also, what, what's a 21 month old? Like, I don't know anything about this. Like what, I don't know. Do they drink out of a bottle? Like, I, I don't know what we're doing here trying to figure this out. And so we go to Walmart and we're trying to do some shopping. We had some friends that met us there and 
were helping out. We had friends from uh, the town next next over to us that were bringing an extra crib over to our house for us and helping us get it set up. Um, and so, I mean, we just had an overwhelming response. And so then it was, um, what, about 2 o'clock in the morning? Uh, 2 a.m. whenever the girls finally showed up at the house. And uh, the caseworker dropped them off with uh, their seven total children in this family. And the other five were still in the van uh, as well. And so the oldest sibling helped bring them in. And these girls came in. I just remember they just looked terrified, um, just confused and unsure and, and scared. And so, I mean, we, we, we got them some drinks. And we're like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We don't need to sit them up and play with them. We need to change their diapers, put them in pajamas, and lay them down in bed. And, and being twins and that young, they're, they're not identical, but at that age and having just met them, we couldn't really tell a whole lot of difference between them. And so whenever, after we got them changed and we're putting them in their beds, I told Dean, we've got to put them in from left to right alphabetically so that we know which is which and we don't get their names mixed up the next day. And, and still, um, I just, I have this one image burned into my mind of you know, one of the girls as Dina was changing her diaper. Uh, I'm sitting, we had a, a, an extra bed in the room that the girls were sleeping in. And I was sitting on the bed and I was just watching because also I've never changed a diaper in my life. Um, and so um, I, I'm watching her take care of this and, and the little girl, she just turns her head and she's just looking at me and, and just has this blank stare of just like she's evaluating me and trying to figure out who I am and whether I'm safe, whether she's safe, and, and just complete uncertainty. And my heart broke for her in that moment, just completely broke for her and her sister and the other five and their situation. And I just remember taking that to the Lord in that moment of just, Father, I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is that I'm here to love on these kids. And so I need, I need your wisdom and how to do that and how to do it best. And the rest of that night was not easy, um, nor the following nights. Um, one of the girls in particular would only fall asleep if we were standing upright, holding her with her head, head on our shoulder. Um, we couldn't sit down and rock her. Um, one of the girls took four months before she would let me hold her. Um, she would rely only upon Dina. Um, I know. At first, they both yeah. relied on me more. And so they really wouldn't react to Paul at all in the beginning. And um, and so I was just kind of had the weight of both of them. I mean, literally carrying both of them <laughs> um, and just kind of having to do everything because they were too scared of him. And then after just a short amount of time, a couple weeks maybe, they one of them would start going to him, which helped because that helped relieve the load and I could pass one off to him. Um, but the other one, I mean, it took about four months, but she was terrified of him, but now she loves him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, and you know, we've both said this, but um, you know, when they first came into our home and, and we've told other foster families this as we've talked to them through our agency as they're prepping and getting ready and stuff, but uh, you know, there's a little bit of an expectation sometimes that whenever the kids come into your home that it's immediately going to feel like they're yours and like it's family and that there's just this instant connection. And really, I mean, that it took probably close to a week before that connection started to form 
between us and these girls. And really at the beginning, it really just felt like we were babysitting somebody else's kids. Um, and, you know, there, it, it wasn't, we're not complaining about that time, but it was a time that we needed to be able to form a bond and a relationship with the kids. And it wasn't an instantaneous thing. And so that's something that we're always very intentional about telling other people as they work into this is, you know, we, we realize that whenever you birth a child, you know, the mother in particular has carried that child for nine months. And so when that child comes into the world, there is an instantaneous connection. And that's not, in our experience anyway, that has not been the case with these children as they've come into our home. It's something that they do feel like strangers in our home, but that connection does form, that bond does grow. You just have to give it sometimes a little bit of time. And it's okay that it's not there right away. I mean, that's normal. It's not something to be scared or worried of. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a weird situation. It's not natural and, and that's okay. Hi, I'm Jamie Hogan, Executive Program Administrator at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption Services. Did you know there's over 7,000 children waiting for adoption today? Did you also know that Texas has 30,000 children entering foster care every year? At TBHC, our hope is to provide the highest quality of care for kids who are coming from really hard places. We work to make sure that children in our care have a safe and loving home and that their dreams have no limits. What if you could be a part of making those dreams possible? I'd like to invite you to join the thousands of people who help TBHC meet the needs of children by going online to tbhc.org and clicking the donate button. Our ministry depends on supporters like you to help bring kids home. On our website, you can also find out more information about our agency, inspiring stories, and ways to pray for TBHC kids. To find out how you can make an impact on children in foster care, Check us out at tbhc.org. No, absolutely, it sure is. The journey of what it takes to get to this place of, it's okay. You know, foster care is, is hard. It's different. It's not normal family dynamics by any stretch. And what we have to do in this space is to help everyone understand that it's still so important. It's okay that it's different. It's okay that it feels a little weird, if you will. Talk about family visits. Um, maybe some of the most difficult things about family visits for you guys, or maybe what that has shaped up to look like for you guys. I think the hard part is that, I mean, for, I don't know, I guess the hard part for me was letting go because I mean, I, I came to love these kids. They were in my home. I was taking care of them every day. Um, and then I would just have to go back and, you know, give them to their mom for an hour and let her be the savior and the, you know, the one they were excited to see and, you know, whatnot. And it was just hard for me because I, I felt like I had to do the hard work day in and day out. And then she just got to be, fun and awesome, you know, and, and that they weren't getting a true picture of everything, you know, which is, which is okay. I mean, it's, it's good that they don't see, you know, everything, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. 
you know, for someone who's in the thick of it, I guess. Yeah, and, and for for these two girls, um, you know, they were they were 21 months when they came to live with us. This is our first placement, and so they had already had 21 months of life and forming that relationship with their mom and their siblings. And so for them, we were the strangers. And so whenever they went to family visits, that was the connections that they had had. But then as time passed, and, and they were they were a little bit behind in their development whenever they came to us, um, and their language development and things wasn't where it should have been. And so they really began to form their language with us. And so as they formed their language with us, they're forming their memories and, and really connecting with us as mom and dad. And so then when they went to family visits, there was a connection with their, their other mom. And so then when they would leave her, who um, oftentimes, you know, they would come back or we would hear that uh, things were said like, well, you know, those are just your foster parents. They're not your real parents. I'm your real mom and, and things like that. And so then they would bring that language back into the home and it would cause confusion and strife and tantrums and issues. And so the, the family visits, and, and in this whole process, um, you know, one of the things I wanna say is that as Dina and I entered foster care, our intention, and even foster to adopt, our intention has never been to steal children from families. Uh, in going through this, where as we foster, is there a hope that we would get to adopt? Absolutely. But we also understand and know that that is not the purpose or the intent of what we're doing. As we foster, the intent of what we're doing is to care for these children as their family works on themselves and gets themselves into a place to where they can take care of their children through uh, the point where they enter adulthood. And, and so as, as we struggled with this, because we, we fell in love with these girls and we felt like they were our children. We felt as though there was that connection between them to us and us to them. And so whenever they would come back and they were fighting with us on, on these connections that we had formed, that was a real struggle and that was a real hard time. And that, that did create some, some questions in our minds as to whether after this case, whether or not we would continue um, and whether we could handle this um, again, we we thought we knew what we were getting into, but then once you get into it, you you learn and you realize that things, not every situation can be laid out ahead of time in these training courses. And so, you know, the encouragement that I would give through this is, you know, you can hear stories on both sides. You can hear horror stories. You can hear success stories and, and great things that have happened along the way for all these other people, but everybody's story is a little bit different. And, and so, you know, for us, these, these kids coming back to us after each visit, um, there was a lot of confusion and there was a lot of fights. And usually a one hour visit would take about seven to 10 days for our girls to recover. Um, they, they would wake up in the middle of the night screaming and crying and we'd have to get up um, multiple times and, and hold them and comfort them and get them to go back to sleep. Uh, I mean, for a while, we were probably, you know, and we were learning how to do it. And so we were both getting up. And then at one point I looked at her and my wife and I just said, we don't both have to be awake for this. Like you can be awake for a little bit and I can stay asleep and then I'll get up at the next one. We can take turns, but uh, it took us a while to figure that out. 
but um, there were a lot of near sleepless nights as we were getting up and handling both of these girls and trying to comfort them. And one of them, uh, you know, she would wake up and screaming and the only way she'd go to sleep is if we were standing up holding her, as I mentioned earlier. The other one, she, she got into this thing where she would stand up in her crib and she would just slam her forehead against the railing and just bang her head in frustration and she just had a lot of aggression and anger that that we had to help try to guide her and, and coach her and teach her through and how to handle that which is hard to do with a two-year-old um, and so it's you know family visits they they were good for the kids because they got to maintain that connection with their family but then the after effects were hard and over time they got a little bit better but there were still remnants of that confusion uh, in these kids as they would go go back and forth and one thing one thing we did is we also we worked really hard to always try to keep the parents as informed as we could so i always wrote letters to the mom and um would just tell her hey this is how the last two weeks have been here are some pictures and we would send them um her and the other kids easter presents and halloween presents and um, cupcakes, cupcakes on, birthdays. on birthdays and just try to foster that family relationship because we didn't know where the case was going and we had to I mean the best way that we could love these kids is to love their family too and so we we tried to do that as best as we could and it helped us just to keep that and remember that the goal here is much bigger than just us loving these kids is about the gospel and it's about showing the love of Christ. And so we really tried to do that the whole time. Um, and, and I would say about the hard days, like, honestly, the only way we made it through some of those days is with the Lord, because I really, I don't know how people foster who aren't Christians. I, I, I don't because I couldn't do it without the Lord. There's no possible way. <laughs> That's really powerful. So your adoption story, you know, obviously we're talking about your girls. Let, let's kind of get into that. Share a little bit about that adoption process. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, I've kind of already mentioned that we, we had these girls for 19 months and then they moved back in with their family and uh, then something happened and they ended up back with us after two months. And so uh, here we are. Uh, 21 months into the whole process and we've had them for 19 out of those 21 months and um, CPS is is telling us we don't know where this is going to go um, but just know that this is going to be going on for a while and so we started talking with uh, our agency about what options there are out there and, and as I said earlier we never got into this to uh, intentionally try to steal children from families um, but this situation, just as it was brought about, it was not a safe place for the kids. Uh, as as a more of this time moved forward, uh, we learned CPS really did not have a good plan for any of the children in this family. Um, they, what they kept telling us was, uh, it looks like this is going to be something where we're going to have to put them in the conservative and uh, this could take years. And, so they could just keep living with you um, and then if their mom gets their, her stuff together whenever they're 16 then we could move them back in with her when they're 16 you know we'll just you know we'll figure it out that really broke our hearts for 
not only our kids, but also for the, the other kids in this family that were going through this, of just that lack of permanency and stability in their lives and what that was going to do to them and how hard that would hit them in their life as they move forward. And so we really began praying and seeking counsel of uh, other foster families. Uh, Dina reached out to some foster communities that she's a part of online. Um, and we talked with our agency and our agency kind of told us that we can tell you what your options are, but we cannot advise you one direction or another. And so uh, after just a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of wisdom seeking from people that were in the know, we decided that we were going to hire an attorney and we we're going to intervene in the case. And even then we spoke with specific adoption attorneys and, um, we got advice from different attorneys and uh, I mean, we, and we saw, you know, spiritual counsel and, you know, worldly attorney counsel. I mean, this was not a decision that we came to lightly. Um, and it was backed behind a lot of prayer. Um, it was, it was not something we ever intended to do. And it's, it's definitely not something we took lightly either. Um, yeah, yeah, not, not at all. And, um, and so, but through that process, we were, uh, through the intervention, we were able to, uh, the, the mom decided to terminate her rights on these two girls and um, just our attorney and CPS and the mom all kind of came to the conclusion that this is what would be best. And so through that, uh, one of the things that we had told the mom was that, uh, you know, we would have communication with her um, as, you know, we want the girls to and obviously they already had a relationship with her and so we, we weren't going to try to block that forever but we wanted to give the girls a feel of permanency and to let them know that they have a place where they're safe and they can feel protected and that they are taken care of and so we we communicate with the mom uh, i do probably every couple of weeks we send her some text messages and some pictures and uh, check in with her and you know, we've had a couple phone calls where She's talked with the girls uh, around the girl's birthday after adoption. Uh, we met up with their biological mom for lunch and I gave her the opportunity to see them and visit with them there. Uh, but, you know, after she signed away rights, we then had to wait just for uh, all the legal part to take place where uh, more papers had to be filed with the state. Things had to get moved from, um, from the foster care side of CPS to the adoption side of CPS. And, so I think it was either September or October of 2018, whenever the mom had signed away her rights. And then it wasn't until February of 2019 that we were able to go before the judge and make the adoption final. Uh, and that was, it was a, a wonderful day. Um, just, we, we got to celebrate just the, the legal side and, and just also just the permanency side of having these girls know that they are part of our family forever uh, yeah about 40 people from our church took off work and got the kids out of school and family and they showed up and the people were the court were like we've never seen this many people show up for an adoption ever we like packed out the courthouse it was awesome it was a great day yeah absolutely but i will say the girls were terrified and they didn't smile for like one picture <laughs> So we look very unhappy, but we really, I mean, yeah. like we look happy, but our girls look terrified and not happy, but they really were. 
it's just they were scared of the courtroom and the process and all the people and blah da da da. -da. <laughs> yeah, and and the girl. Oh, yes. absolutely. And and the girls were four at the time of the adoption. Um, and and honestly, again, I'm, I'm a high school teacher and I'm a, a youth pastor, so I'm used to dealing with teenagers. Um, and so just the the mental development of young children is still a bit of a mystery to me. I don't know what they're supposed to know and not know and understand and things at such a young age. Um, but at the age of four, they had such a profound understanding of adoption mm -hmm. and what that meant that it shocked me and surprised me. I mean, it was, yes, there was just the physical elements of, Hey, okay. So before we could not jump on the trampoline together, but adoption means that we can jump on the trampoline together. And, you know, before we had to sleep in separate beds, but now adoption means that, you know, we're twins and we can sleep in the same bed together if we want to. So yes, there was that part of it that they were excited about, but then there was just so much more that uh, just a sense of security that had been given to them and restored to them and that they knew where they belonged. And, uh, I, I, as I said, I just, I couldn't fathom how well they understood that, but it was evidenced in the way in which they reacted to certain situations after that. Some of the tantrums subsided, uh, some of their anger issues subsided, and it was just like a sense of calm had come over them as they had this security and this permanency of knowing that they were ours. Yeah. And then also a funny story, they would also say like when they would fall down and scrape their knee or they would bump their head or something afterwards and they'd be like, it's okay, I'm adopted. You don't have to call that in. <laughs> because as foster parents, I don't know if you noticed this, but we have to call every little Everything. thing in. And so, yeah. And so they even got tired of it. And so after adoption, it was very big. And they were like, you don't have to call that in. That's awesome. <laughs> I describe it this way. We walked in as two different families. We walked out as one. It was so legal. It was so formal, but it was shocking how emotional it was. So, um, yeah, that's really neat. Well, what do you guys wish everyone knew about fostering or adoption? It's worth it. <laughs> it's so worth it. Like, it's so hard and people still look at us like oh, we're crazy. I mean, I can't tell you how many times a day people or a week or a month or whatever, people are like, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you want to have your heart ripped out? Listen, I'm not like, I don't know. We're not, it's like we like it. We're not just insensitive people who enjoy having our heart ripped out, but it's worth it. Like it's, the kids are worth it the journey is worth it, the relationship with the Lord and how much greater you'll understand the gospel and adoption and his love for you and his will in your life. Like just how much deeper you'll understand him. It's worth it. I mean, we've grown so much in our relationship with the Lord just because we're doing this. Um, I, I mean, it's, we understand things in a deeper way, I would say. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's just, I, I can't imagine not doing it now. Like as crazy as it sounds. And there are days that we read, want to quit and give up. But at the same time, we always just come back to it because it's, it's like an addiction now. I don't know. We just can't, we can't stop. 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, going along with that, I mean, I completely agree. Yes, it's absolutely worth it. Um, but what I would say, the one thing to remember through all of it is uh, kind of what I stated earlier, that our hope is not in adoption. Our hope is not in the legal process. Our hope is not in ourselves and our strength to do this, but our hope is in the Lord. Um, now I want to read uh, Romans fifteen thirteen, and it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And, and to me, that, that verse has just been such a comfort through all of this and just remembering and knowing that whenever I lean on the Lord, he's going to fill me with the joy and the peace that I need to be able to make it through this, through those hard days, through the good days, through all of it. And that as a result of leaning upon him, I'm going to abound in hope even more and just knowing that that hope is in him and that it is an eternal hope and that it is not a hope that will end as, as many things will. And so that's the one thing I would say for anybody considering uh, adoption or fostering or going entering this process at all is you don't need to lean on yourself. You don't need to lean on your family or anyone else. You need to lean on that hope in the Lord first and then allow him to surround you with that community of people that will support you as you go through this process. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And then I would also add is one thing that one thing I don't think we understood in the beginning for many years, probably our whole first placement, honestly, is at least for me, I learned that I've got to take care of myself too. And we've got to give ourselves breaks and rest. Um, I mean, we went pretty hard for a really long time and, um, and we never, we never had respite. We didn't really hire babysitters much that first placement. Um, and it, and it really affected me and our relationship some, um, not that anything's wrong, but it, it just, it was hard for a while. And then we kind of realized, you know, after they left that if we're going to do this again, we've got to take care of ourselves next time and, and take care of our relationship and take care of our individual selves. And so I think from every placement thereafter, we've done a better job of that. And we've realized that we can't, oh, I mean, we, it's not that we can't do it. It's just that we we've got to slow down and we've got to kind of, if we're going to be there for the kids, we've got to make sure we're okay and our relationship is okay. And I think, I think it's normal for every parent too, when they're first starting out. I mean, I've heard of a lot of parents that, you know, forget to date or whatever, you know, in the, um, just that you have to invest in your own relationship as well in your relationship with the Lord and your self and take care of yourself and your, marriage and those are all important things um and you can't just give 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 all the time that's really important that's a great reminder well it's an honor to have you with me today thank you so much for joining me it, this has been awesome just really appreciate it yeah, yeah thanks for having us uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share our story yeah it's been fun if you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe. To everyone listening, thanks for helping bring kids home.
Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.